It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios. Welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. And you still like me or you you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. (laughs) I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, Longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth. In America, once gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Cindy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. Every single sentence had a very clear point to it, it ha- and every line of it had that Biden humility in it. It was bracing to hear a speech delivered at times by a whisper. His use of voice modulation was rather extraordinary. It was amazing to be able to have a conversational tone, almost as if he were channeling a FDR fireside chat. It's really beautiful. I mean, it was beautiful. It is so personal and so intimate. And his voice, that kind of grandfatherly, whispery voice. Well, that's that's the media, and they're commenting on Joe Biden's speech to the Congress last week. I just thought I would point it out because you might have missed that voice modulation was just so incredible. I thought it was like FDR's fireside chats. It was just amazing. That's what many people in this country are hearing, and that's actually what they believe happened because they didn't bother to watch, so the media is going to help them. It was just incredible. It was incredible, that speech by Joe Biden. I've never heard anything like it, so you heard it yourself. Those are some media outlets and their little delivery. Sandy Rios with you on this Monday morning. There's actually a lot of interesting news this morning, like a lot of different varieties of things that I want to bring to you, but I want to say that uh, in a little bit we're going to be talking to Congresswoman Mary Miller, who was, you know, in D.C., and uh, maybe we'll ask her about that, um, the voice modulation. Perhaps she'll have something to say about that when we introduce her. Uh, meanwhile, I would just say that that particular clip uh, is uh, is an example of the fantasy that's being propagated on the, the American people, people that are kind of clueless, not paying attention. That's an example of fantasy. But I want to now give you an example of reality. And the reality sounded like this. It's um, Mitt Romney was at the Republican Utah Republican Party's organizing convention. And when he was introduced and got up to speak, it sounded like this. Issues. And I'm also no fan. 
All right, and that's oh, I could go on because it lasted for a minute and 30 seconds, the booing of Mitt Romney. I think that's reality. People are just sick of Washington politicians like Mitt Romney, who voted for the impeachment of Donald Trump, uh, who accused him of being responsible for January the 6th. They're sick of it. They're sick of it. This is reality in the country. That's reality. The first clip I played to you for you was fantasy. And so we're sick of politicians like that, and there are lots of reasons. They just continue to keep delivering. Uh, We'll talk about that a little bit later, but tied to that is one of the reasons we're sick about it is we're watching our country being dismantled. We're watching madness reign. We're watching violence in our streets. People are not down with this, and that's why uh, they're angry with the likes of Mitt Romney. They should be. That is what normal human beings with healthy, uh, a healthy sense of reality, that's what they do. They say, that's not right. Stop it. They boo. Uh, so um, I want to give you some examples here. The FBI, this is more the madness. The FBI, uh, there's an account of a couple in Alaska from Homer. I want to read it to you. It's from an Alaska newspaper. Paul and Marilyn Huper, owners of Homer Inn and Spa, woke up with a start at 9 a.m. on April 28th when a dozen armed FBI agents kicked down their door front in an investigation associated with Representative Nancy Pelosi's stolen laptop, which was taken during the January 6th siege of the nation's capital. Speaking April 29th to a Kenai-based radio host, Bob Bird of the Bird's Eye View, Paul recalled that he was alarmed and shocked to come out of his bedroom with seven guns pointing at him and his wife. It was a little alarming when I turned around the corner. The first thing they did was start barking out commands. Ultimately, the couple was handcuffed and interrogated for the better part of three hours before being released. In the end, it was a case of mistaken identity. Uh, They were in D.C. for the rally with President Trump, but they never came close to the Capitol. Uh, The FBI was mostly interested in Maryland. They had a photo of a woman wearing the same coat with a similar hairstyle. It was taken from Capitol building cameras. Uh, but there was little similarity between Marilyn and the woman in the Capitol photo. Paul said he repeatedly asked to see a search warrant, was denied until two and a half hours had gone by. He was separated from his wife. We sat there for the first hour not knowing what was going on, uh, and they never offered for us to be comfortable. It was very harshly done. They ransacked the house, left a huge hole in the front door, but they did offer to replace that. Uh, after more than an hour, the agents told them that the raid had to do with the January 6th siege. Uh, that's what we were there for, he said, to peacefully protest. We never broke any laws. We were almost 100 yards away from the Capitol entrance. Um, they had the same coat on. They claimed they had positively identified Maryland. You know, with uh, with all the um, facial recognition, you, you'd, that doesn't make sense to me. But, um, you know, I'm going to go on. Marilyn said she tried to be respectful, but uh, couldn't help but laugh. She said, um, I repeatedly, she was repeatedly told she was a woman in the photo, and Marilyn responded by saying, I would like to know how I split myself into two locations because I didn't know I had this power. So um, then she said, that's not me. Why didn't you show me that photo to start with? Uh, so uh, now the, the couple, uh, Paula and Marilyn, again, the owners of Homer Inn and Spa in Alaska, I'll say that this has made them more keen to, to actually beef up on their own personal civil liberties. They said they feel like they just didn't even know what their rights were in a situation like that, and they're doubling down to make sure they know next time. I would um, remind you that we had um, Cleta Mitchell on uh, a couple of months ago, 
And she was saying to any of you who uh, get uh, the FBI comes to your house because of January 6th that you should you say you're not talking to them and don't let them in the house if they come, if they, you know, have the courtesy to knock, you just say, you know, you, well, let's make a plan. I, without counsel, I'm, I'm not going to talk to you. And so um, it's just, can you believe that, that we are in this position where the FBI was once, you know, a trusted organization that we would have helped any of us would have moved heaven and earth to help them in any kind of investigation, and now they have made us their enemies. It's just an amazing thing. Uh, and by contrast, uh, the FBI in a uh, hearing last week in an official, uh, let's see, which, I'm not sure which committee it was, uh, but the uh, Brad Wigman, Deputy Assistant Attorney General for the Department of Justice's National Security Division, said in his opening statement that Anybody remember James, James Hodgkinson? Uh, James was the guy that went to the, I remember it well, because this was just a few miles from our place in Washington. It was in Alexandria, Virginia, and the Republicans were preparing for their annual baseball game between Republicans and Democrats. And this guy, Hodgkinson, who was a liberal activist who supported Bernie Sanders, who hated... Um, uh, Trump supporters, he hated, you know, conservatives, went out into the field, asked people in the parking lot, are those Democrats or Republicans out there? And he was told they were Republicans, and he goes out and he has, he's armed to the teeth, and he starts shooting. And he nearly killed uh, Steve Scalise, and he shot a couple of Capitol Police officers who were out there. Well, so guess what the uh, FBI has determined? They have not called it a domestic terror attack. No, 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 no. They labeled it something else. They, they've labeled it suicide by cop. Suicide by cop. Not domestic terrorism, but suicide by cop. A little different treatment, don't you think? And uh, they were interrogated by the committee. I don't know exactly how that came down, but uh, I'm sure they didn't change their minds. Uh, so, uh, And then also, we are finding more and more Trump supporters uh, who, as a result of January 6th and the uh, legally attended right of every American to make their voices heard, especially in their capital city. Uh, you were there on January the 6th, and now you find yourself on a no-fly list. And that's happening to a lot of people. Um, so Michelle Malkin, who is firebrand, has decided to turn her attention to this. And she has um, issued a Freedom of Information Act requesting uh, with the Transportation Security Agency, the TSA, to see a list of individuals whose names have been added to the federal no-fly list due to their alleged participation in the U.S. Capitol riot. And uh, she's demanding all the information, documents, records. So we'll see what comes from that. But God bless Michelle Malkin. She, that's, that's just a great thing to do. And so she is doing that. Um, and that's why the people were booing Mitt Romney, because uh, they realized the the patriots of this country, and I think many, many uh, Democrats and who cares about labels, uh, but people who love their homes and love their country are saying, wait a second, wait a second, this can't go on, this is just wrong. Uh, and um, and so we have to stop it, and that's what we're trying to do. I want to tell you a couple of other stories here. I don't think I have time to play this clip. But there's another phenomena occurring that really is troubling, troubling is an understatement. Remember last week, there was a girl who did a podcast in New York City. She was a beautiful black girl, well-dressed. Uh, she had been doing a podcast, and she was in the podcast saying, blank, the police, and she played some rapper's song, and she went on and on about how horrible the police w were, and she was drinking 
while she was saying this, she got in her car and uh, saw a police officer who was trying to redirect traffic after a bad traffic accident in New York City, somewhere in New New York City, somewhere in that area. And uh, she appears to have swerved her car and killed the policeman who was redirecting traffic. She has no record. She's got no criminal record as far as we know. But uh, And we don't know that she intentionally did that. I am extrapolating that. They said she swerved the car and hit the officer. Okay, she was drunk. She just got through talking about how she hates the police, so you you figure this out. And then uh, in uh, Washington State, um, just last week, a young man living with his mother uh, goes out, is standing in front of his apartment building while uh, uh, an, age, an Asian guy, I was going to play the story for you, but I don't have time, a young Asian man and his, uh, his wife, his new wife, walk out of the building, and the uh, college student lives with his mother, said to him, called him an anti-masker, and then they got into sort of a back and forth. They were about five or six feet apart when the a college student lunges forward and stabs the young man who just got married in the heart, For it appears, for being an anti-masker. Then he goes back upstairs uh, the the mother says, my son thinks he's, she tells the police, my mother thinks he, my, my son uh, says he's just gotten into an altercation. He's cut his hand. The police find him. They find the knife. Uh, he has no record of anything violent, no criminal record. He's like a junior in college. Uh, but he just stabbed and killed and killed this young man, newly married, because he wasn't wearing a mask. At least that's what he said out of his own mouth, an anti-masker. He stabs him in the heart, directly in the heart, and kills him. What's the commonality here? You have regular people who are functioning in some way, doing things in our culture, have their own niche, their own life, who are not criminals, but they are being poisoned by the hatred that's being presented in colleges and universities, on the airwaves, uh, through black activists and white activists, Black Lives Matter, uh, and agitated to the point of murder, agitated to the point of killing. And that is exactly where this is leading. Uh, That's the desired result of the left. I can tell you right now, uh, that's how the Nazis, you know, uh, got regular people to be prisoner guards in prisons and mistreat their neighbors. Uh, It's not a good thing. This is Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Christians in Africa, they are willing to suffer for the gospel. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International, and Pastor Nepo was preaching away one Sunday in Burundi, Africa. A group of Islamic extremists burst through the door. They went to the pulpit, dragged this man down the aisle, and out the front door where they beat him nearly to death. His family and congregation looked on horrified, and many in the congregation are former Muslims who have come to saving faith, but there is tremendous pressure from families and friends to revert back to Islam. And I can tell you, these Christians, they're squarely focused on Christ, praying to endure and persevere. And you do that when you can open God's Word and be reminded of His precious promises. Look, there is a severe shortage of Bibles available to Christians in many parts of Africa. And that's why we're inviting you to send a Bible for $5. $50 sends 10 Make your most generous gift today by calling 800-YES-WORD. 800-YES-WORD or give at SendBiblesNow.org. That's SendBiblesNow.org. This is Pause to Pray, a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Stephen Naley, 
Acting Administrator of the U.S. Energy Information Administration. His office is the nation's premier source of energy information in our country. Proverbs 2.10 reminds us of the importance of knowledge. For wisdom will come into your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Stephen Naley in his work at the EIA. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary next. Are you looking for a university that provides a quality Christian education with excellent academic and athletic programs? Well, I want to invite you to visit Liberty University, where they offer multiple visiting opportunities to fit your schedule. Plan a visit to their Central Virginia campus and stay for an afternoon, a day, or an entire weekend. You can also take a virtual tour from the comfort of your own home. Plan your visit today by texting "Go Visit" to the number 49596. Again, that's "Go Visit" to the number 49596. A London street preacher was arrested for causing alarm and distress to passers-by. Pastor John Sherwood was accused of quoting Bible verses considered homophobic. Video posted on ToddStarns.com shows the pastor being handcuffed, taken into custody. Three police officers yanked the preacher from a platform while he was preaching. They also confiscated his Bible. The officers said there had been complaints that the pastor was spewing hate speech and making homophobic remarks. So what were those remarks? Well, the pastor's message was about God making two genders, male and female, made in the image of God. He also said families are to be headed by a father and mother, not two mommies or two daddies. Now, you should not be surprised that something like this could happen in Great Britain. Preachers arrested for preaching the word of God. And don't be surprised when it happens here because it's going to happen here. I'm Todd Starnes. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Every single sentence had a very clear point to it, it ha- and every line of it had that Biden humility in it. It was bracing to hear a speech delivered at times by a whisper. His use of voice modulation was rather extraordinary. It was amazing to be able to have a conversational tone, almost as if he were channeling a FDR fireside chat. It was really beautiful. I mean, it was beautiful. It is so personal and so intimate. And his voice, that kind of grandfatherly, whispery voice. I just, you had to hear that again. I, I had to hear that again. I just, the, the voice, the voice modulation was just amazing. It was like, it was like Roosevelt delivering the fireside chat. It was beautiful. The Biden humility was just, I don't know, I don't know what speech they were listening to. That's, I must have missed that particular speech. They're talking about Joe Biden and his joint or his address to Congress just last week. Well, Congressman Mary Miller is in the middle of all this. Uh, I'm not sure she heard those um, the the voice modulation, but we're going to ask her. Mary uh, was elected in 2020. She serves the 15th congressional district in the state of Illinois. That's the southeastern part. That's where I was from. That's my home uh, home turf. 
And uh, Congressman uh, Miller is in D.C., and I want to talk to her a little bit. I, I met her personally just a couple of weeks ago, uh, and she's already making her mark in Washington. So, uh, so Congressman Miller, thanks for joining me this morning. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Hey, Mary, were you uh, it, uh, part of the 200 that were allowed to be in the chamber? Uh, yes, I was. And um, I I actually wasn't uh, able to attend, though. Oh, you were chosen, but you didn't weren't able to attend. Is that what you mean? Yes. Okay. Well, so, but you are right but there. I did so. watch it. Okay, so so did you hear the vo- the wonderful voice modulation and the famous Biden humility? And did it remind you of the fireside chat that Roosevelt used to give? Well, um, it was all I could do to get through it, but um, I was taking notes and uh, just couldn't help but thinking what a liar Biden is. He promised to. Uh, to be moderate, and he's anything but. Yeah, he is anything but. It's just amazing, isn't it? He's a, he's a you know, even uh, one of the radical, Jaipal, Jayapal, uh, said in an interview on MSNBC that he was just, she was thrilled. He's just more than we ever hoped for. She's part of the radical, um, the radical part of Congress right now, although it's hard to find that most, most of the Democrats have become radicals. It's pretty amazing. Uh, Congressman Miller, I'm curious to know how did they make that choice about who could be in the chamber? I'm, I'm actually not really sure. And did I hear correctly that everyone's been vaccinated in Congress right now? I don't know that either, but I do know that we have to continue to wear masks. So, yeah. So, I, don't what's know. That? I would guess everybody's been offered the vaccine. And they've either had it or they've had the virus. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, so they do this social distancing and this paring down. You know, I it just seems so strange to me, honestly, that Nancy Pelosi has this kind of power over the Republicans. I mean, well, I know she's she, Speaker of the on House. Day one, yeah, on day one, her rules are ridiculous. She um, wouldn't allow our our children, family members, to come in during our swearing in. Uh, she brought COVID positive. Um, members in to vote for her. She demanded that, or one of her rules is that we can't use uh, gender terms such as uh, man or woman, son or daughter. Um, of course, now she's making us walk through metal detectors because she said the enemy is in the house. Um, but they're <laughs> they're they're just radical progressive. They are not. Uh, Democrats are not liberals. They, they are not people that have an expanded view of the government. These are Marxist progressives in power. Yeah. You know, I was just hearing, I heard a briefing uh, on how Hong Kong was so quickly overcome by the Chinese communists, apart from all the obvious things. Um, and one of the things that they did was make it miserable for the people that were serving in whatever body that they have there. They had a democracy, uh, whatever they made life miserable for them so that they would leave. And I really think that's what they're doing uh, to you all, too. They want you to leave, uh, Congressman woman. They don't want you to serve. They don't want you there. They're trying to make your life miserable. So uh, I'm uh, how miserable have they? Tell you, though, that... Yes, we're not miserable. We're 
we are um, we are empowered to stand up against them, to speak up against them. I believe they've gone too far. We're going to take back the House in 2022 unless they find a way to pass, get H.R. 1 through the Senate. Um, I thought that was the biggest threat to our country, but now I'm very concerned about them packing the courts. I think that's the number one threat. Um, once they pack the courts, they'll be able to pass H.R. 1 and then push D.C. statehood and, and things roll along. So. Um, I just urge everybody to really pray that um, HR1 doesn't pass and the court, you know, we don't allow them to do this court packing. Yeah. And just to remind people, H- I talked about it a lot, but people uh, need to be reminded of names. HR1 and SR1 are the bills that are like the, uh, the, the, uh, the wildest dream and fantasy of every leftist is to really. Uh, take away the integrity of our elections, and this these bills uh, will do that. They will codify all the chicanery that happened in 2020 in the voting. They they codify all of that to do away with voter ID and all of that. It's a it's a nightmare, and it has passed in the House, and now they're trying to find a way to pass it in the Senate through reconciliation or trying to do away with the filibuster. So they only need 51 votes so Kamala Harris can pass that, and that's what. That's what Congressman Miller is talking about. You know, speaking of numbers, um, did I hear? I know it varies. It varies because some Democrats have been appointed to positions in the Biden administration. Do you know what the numeric difference between the Democrat and Republican conference is right now? Um, I don't know exactly because, let's see, we got um, uh, Letlow, uh, Julia Letlow. Um, she was added on, but it's close. It's, it's less than five, so um, very close. And and even some of the elections that they um, won, uh, Sherry Bustos in Illinois, she barely won her seat, and um, they had to pour like a million dollars in at the very end. Um, she did say she's not running again here in Illinois. Everybody's been shocked, but she she barely won. So they, they're hanging on by a thread. And I, I think the American people, the regular people that are feeling steamrolled by them, they realize that they're changing our country and our culture by coercion and force and illegal methods. They're cheaters. That's why they want to pass H.R. 1 and federalize the election so that they can have a one-party system. Um, the invasion on the southern border, you know, uh, Biden took an oath to uh, uphold our laws, and you know we have immigration laws, and this is the first time in the history of our country that a president is advertising and facilitating an invasion of our country. And at the same time, regular Americans have been told to stay home, shut their businesses and their churches, um, do all this stuff. We have. We have thousands and thousands of COVID positives, illegals pouring over the border, and as fast as they can, they're putting them on planes and buses and transporting them into the interior of our country. But, um, you know, President Trump fulfilled his promises. I think that was the greatest legacy he had, that he was the president that actually did what he said he was going to do. And Biden is, is betraying us on every corner. Everything he said, he has betrayed us so far. I don't disagree. 
I, you're absolutely right, and it can be proven, and we would run through, except that I talk about this every day, so people are pretty familiar. I want to add one thing more to our conversation about the number differences. You say you think there's about five. That's This is profound, so that's why I'm sitting on it for a second. Mm-hmm. There's only a five-seat difference right now, we think, five, between the Repu- number of Republicans and the number of Democrats in the House. That means it could be flipped in a heartbeat. And in fact, in Texas over the weekend— uh, that we know that another Republican is coming to replace the vacancy after uh, uh, Congressman Ron Wright passed away suddenly. His wife is a contender, and also um, another guy named Jake Elsey. I don't know about them. We'll have to we'll have to look into which candidates better, but there'll be a special election, so that'll bring it down to four. And with with that four vote spread, they are transforming the co- only four votes. They're trying to completely undermine and transform this country. It really is mind-boggling, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes, well, even in the Senate, they need uh, Kamala Harris to, um, you know, get to 51. And that's, and then also, they, oh my, they're so after the filibuster. So everything that our founding fathers put in place to promote compromise, they are wanting to do away with. They want a one-party system. They're Marxist. Yeah. Yes, they are. They certainly are. Um, Let me talk to you just for a second about, hang on one second. I want to talk to you a little bit about your background, uh, Congresswoman. Of course, you're from my part of the country, which I've never been able to, after all these years in public life, I've never really been able to say, but I identified my hometown just last week because you you know as well as I do there's danger in what we do uh, although as a congresswoman people have to know where you're from but that is um that's illinois and people think uh illinois that's such a bad state uh how did a woman like you get elected from the state of illinois congressman congresswoman miller well first of all people always assume I'm from chicago and i like to clarify that i'm from the downstate where we're very productive and we have common sense um, <laughs> yes, I think regular people are um, waking up. They're alarmed at what's going on in our country. They see that the Democrats are breaking down the structures of society to achieve their revolution. And um, President Trump, I believe, has forever changed the Republican Party. And I think more uh, regular people from diverse backgrounds have gotten involved. I mean, that's what I see in the freshman class. And I'm really excited about it. I think we're going to continue to get people involved. Now, I'm telling people that the firewall, though, to this revolution that's being foisted on us is state and local control. And I'm really encouraging people to get involved at a local level. And I, I think that we definitely can drive change that way. Um, so Effingham County, I know you're familiar with them, uh, just two weeks ago, uh, they passed something called the Illinois Second Amendment Preservation Act, and um, which I absolutely support. And it's it's their remedy to fight back against the attacks on our Second Amendment. And um, you know, I just want to encourage more people to get involved. You know, whether it's school boards, county boards, local level and help other people get elected to those positions. And speak up at the local level also. Sheriffs and mayors, those are all important um, positions. Also, local police. I told my children several times, this attack on police, 
The left doesn't want to do away with police. They want to do away with local police. That's what they're after, all local control. Yeah, totally. They want federal. Yes. uh, You know, uh, Charlie Kirk just did an interesting piece on that, uh, and he talked about how defund the police is just uh, a complete, the opposite. I say this, too. The left always says the opposite of what they really want to do. Defund the police. They don't want really to do that. They want to replace uh, as you said, local police and police loyal to this country with a police force that they can control. And they'll put it, they'll say it's like a, a police force that's diverse. They'll say uh, that embraces, I don't know, that will protect you. Uh, they'll put the words in there, but that is the ultimate goal. It's very dangerous. So uh, Congresswoman Miller, you're echoing what I said. I say this all the time. So I, I'm really glad you said that again. It's uh, get involved locally. I think D.C. for right now is... Um, uh, unless there's a special election in your area, then certainly uh, get involved in that. Uh, but right now, D.C. is just the pit of uh, of everything bad. It really is. It's just horrendous. And you can still do something at your I local want, level. Yes, and I want to encourage people that when they do that, it's like having ground troops um, moving. And we need to remain strong. I want to encourage everybody to have a backbone, to pray for courage, Look for opportunities, um, and I've told people, you know, it's going to cost your time and your money. Um, perhaps you'll be vilified. That's what they like to do to deflect from what they're doing. Um, but and you may suffer. But if we don't stand up now, we are going to suffer greatly in the future. And I am concerned for our children. I've got seven children and seventeen grandchildren, and I'm very concerned about what's coming for them. Yes, and I, I'm glad you said that. I am too, and I think that's what's motivating a lot of us. Uh, I, I know the people. Hold the break, you guys, please. Um, Congresswoman Miller, you have, as you said, seven children. You guys are farmers, right? Yes, we're regular people. I've been involved in education here locally, um, homeschooled my children. Um, yeah, we're regular people, and I think that that's, um, so I'm not discouraged at all. I'm just using this position to speak up in D.C., to vote against the radical policies, and then I want to use it to encourage people on state and local levels to get involved. Let me just also mention uh, that you have uh, proposed this bill called the Safety and Opportunity for Girls Act. Uh, you proposed this. It's been, uh, it was in February, and it was as a response to President Biden's executive order this is complicated, but let's just say that he wants to call gender in Title IX. He wants to say a gender identity, and you're trying to reestablish that, no, Title IX, when it says gender, it means the, the assigned gender at birth. And there are other things. Say a word about that bill that you sponsored. Yeah, definitely. We need to draw the line to protect our women and girls from this radical gender ideology. And so all the gains that we've had for women and girls who have access to athletic opportunities will be completely annihilated. And I wanted to make clear that the definition of sex in Title IX means biological sex, not gender identity. And my goal is to protect these spaces for girls like bathrooms, locker rooms, and sports teams. I have five daughters, and they, they should feel safe. Yes, they should, and so should our grandchildren. It's just amazing. It just—it's shocking. It just—I have been doing this for decades, 
Congresswoman, I and I never cease to be. They never cease to shock me. What they push for, it, it, and with a straight face now they say it with pride, uh, as though they have the high moral yep. ground uh, to allow men to go into you know shelters for women and sleep in cots next yes. to abused women and use their bathrooms. And the same thing with gyms and uh, and training exercises. It's just. It really is shocking, and I appreciate you presenting this. The Equality Act has passed, which would erase differences in gender and the way people are treated according to their gender. It has passed in the House. What, do you know what the status is in the Senate of that? I don't, and I don't think it will pass unless they can do away with the filibuster. And that's why they're, that's why they're going for these um, things that have been a check on... Um, you know, radicalism in, in, you know, our Congress. So I don't think it'll pass the Senate unless, unless the filibuster is eliminated. All right. So what's coming but, up? What do you, what do you, go ahead. Being bullied. Like, like in Texas, they're trying to pass legislation that passed the house, I believe in Texas where, um, you know, to protect the girls sports, they want the same thing that I suppose is that, uh, means biological or genetic yes. so that girls can participate fairly in their athletics. And then also they want to make it illegal to transgender our young children. And But corporations, I don't know, like 150 corporations, well-known corporations, Delta, American Airlines, Hunt, um, Coca-Cola, the whole list of they're, they're bullying the legislature there. And the bullying Texas. Yeah, it's, and it's this amazing. Is so it does not represent the American people. American people want their girls and women to be safe. I was in a bathroom just traveling a week ago, and I just happened to notice in the stall next to me this pair of giant shoes. And while I was washing my hands, a very, very large man came out, dressed as a man with a backpack on. <sighs> and this is, this is insane. I don't. There was other people there in the bathroom, but if it was night, I was there by myself, I would not feel safe. No, of course not. That's just common sense. That's common sense, and uh, that's that's getting so uncommon, as they say. Uh, so thank you for doing well, that. And shelters. Pardon? Women's shelters. Women's, women's shelters. They've already been abused by men, and then they're not even going to be safe in a women's shelter. No, no, I know, I know. It's just, it is horrific. And you know what? This is not new. I mean, I remember a few years ago, it's probably been at least five or six years ago, this uh, swim team in Washington, D.C., women's, uh, little girl's swimming team. Uh, a trans a man came in and was using their locker room with in full manhood without his clothes with these little girls, and the oh, parents wow. complained, and they ended up getting in trouble. Uh, and they ended up putting a curtain in the locker room for the girls to dress behind, but they would not prevent the man from going in there. This is not new. and um, But we what is new is we have people like you, Congresswoman, now serving. People with passion uh, who really care, who came out of this whole revolution. And it has been a revolution for the Republican Party. And it was led by President Trump. And so... Um, God bless you, and we need to pray for you, and we will do that. So let's talk again soon, okay? Congresswoman Mary Miller from the 15th Congressional District in Illinois. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk.
Have you been looking for a way to serve others? Are you able to serve in a ministry without being paid? You and Friendships might be the perfect match. Friendships is currently taking applications for volunteers providing aid to disaster victims, refugees, and the impoverished, both here at home and around the world. Get more information at friendships.org or by calling 337-433-5022. Hello, I'm Gary Roby, host of Call to Worship, heard each Sunday on American Family Radio. This one-hour program will lead you in a special time of worship and praise. We will focus on God's Word, spoken, and in music. Call to Worship has a different topic each week as we glorify God together. Be sure to join us at 5 a.m. Central each Sunday for a Call to Worship right here on American Family Radio. For nothing is concealed that won't be revealed, and nothing hidden that won't be made known and brought to light. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Over the last year, grocery stores, churches, airlines, and more have incessantly sprayed, disinfected, and wiped down surfaces. It was recommended and even mandated by the CDC. Until April 5th. That's the day the CDC stealthily changed its website to include a discreet hyperlinked note saying, in most situations, the risk of infection from touching a surface is low. Click on the hyperlink and you'll learn, studies suggest that the risk of SARS-CoV-2 infection via contact with a contaminated surface has less than a 1 in 10,000 chance of causing an infection. Thanks, CDC. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Brian Fisher here with the Life and Liberty Minute. Joe Biden finally delivered his first address to the nation last week. A grand total of 11.6 million Americans tuned in to watch. While that sounds like a lot, the number is dwarfed by the 48 million Americans who tuned in for Donald Trump's first State of the Union address in 2017. The size of Trump's audience was more than 400% bigger than that of the man who supposedly beat him in 2020. Yet regressives want us to believe that Joe Biden received 81 million votes, 7 million more than Trump. This, even though nobody turned up at Biden rallies and he spent the entire campaign in his basement. I find that impossible to believe in a rational world with an honest and fair election. We may never know whether Biden's victory was achieved through fraud, but don't be surprised one day to discover that it was. Catch Brian Fisher on Focal Point, weekday afternoons at 105 Central on American Family Radio. This is Frank Afney with the Secure Freedom Minute. An intensely awaited and timely book comes out tomorrow despite big tech's efforts to prevent its publication. Missouri Senator Josh Hawley's The Tyranny of Big Tech was a pre-publication bestseller even before Mark Levin's riveting hour-long discussion of the book's contents with its author on Fox News last night. That's because the senator has persuasively warned about what's happening at the hands of unelected, unaccountable, and colluding social media giants like Facebook, Google, and Twitter, and the Democratic partisans with whom they are collaborating to fundamentally transform America. A formidable conservative constitutional populist, Josh Hawley pulls no punches about the dangers associated with the concentration of power in a modern corporate trust that can and does threaten free speech and our other liberties thanks to its big government enablers, including Republican ones. The tyranny of big tech is truly required reading. This is Frank Affney. 
Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Well, we just told you the story about how on the West Coast uh, a murder suspect called a victim an anti-masker and stabbed him right in the heart. Just a, a college student, uh, Ian Williams. Uh, and the the guy he stabbed was a Vietnamese a young guy. I guess I felt, yeah, we know so many Vietnamese, I feel, you know, friends. We have a lot of friends. My son was a pastor in a Vietnamese church. And so, not that, you know, all life is precious, but this guy was a young. He just got married. It's really sad. So there is trouble out on the West Coast. There's so much trouble. By the way, Portland has been, since June, the Portland Federal Courthouse and the city has been under regular domestic terror attacks by Antifa since June. Also, you remember that the mayor, Ted Wheeler, initially tried to pacify them and tried to cater to them? Well, it's not working very well. And Antifa just recently released a warning to Mayor Ted Wheeler of Portland, and it sounded like this. We come to you as a small collective from within the anarchist and anti-fascist community. We do not speak for the whole, as each individual may carry different ideologies and beliefs about how things could, should, or will be accomplished. We hope with this message to simply convey a few points that are commonly agreed upon within this community. The mayor of this city is undeserving of his position. He has made it abundantly clear that windows to him are more important than human life. But we are not just challenging the idea of having Ted as a mayor. We are challenging the idea of having mayors at all. We want abolition. Abolition is absolute. If peaceful marches, speeches, and voting were enough to bring about that goal, then we would have already been there. Window smashing and riots are a necessary escalation when those in power have proven that they are unwilling to listen and have made the choice to ignore you. We are moving with a sense of urgency because not only is the system destroying us, it's destroying the very planet that we live on. This movement encompasses the liberation of all those oppressed by the system, whether it be black, indigenous, Hispanic, etc. Nobody owns this movement, and wanting to or trying to claim ownership of this movement just leads to more division, which is counterproductive to all of our goals. We are on the same side, though. And the more time we spend fighting each other, the less energy we have to fight the true enemy. So let's start local with our own city's failed leadership. Ted, we are asking for the last time that you resign. If you ignore this message outright, the destruction to your precious way of life is going to escalate. Blood is already on your hands, Ted. But next time, it may just be your own. Listen to that. that you know, he laughs at the end. Okay, so uh, so this, and it's done in a mask. It's just, it is very creepy. You heard that was creepy. Oh, the, the language of Marxism is amazing to me. We are a small collective, collective, collective. That's a famous, uh, that's a, a whole f- phrase and a concept used by the left. Collectives, farms, collectives. We're a small collective, and we are, uh, for those, we're united, those of us that are oppressed by the system. We find out, you know, most of these uh, radicals, it certainly was true in the 60s, were not oppressed at all. They were from uh, very wealthy homes, uh, very affluent, and it was a, like an intellectual, I guess, bored. Maybe that could be the word, just indulged and bored, and this gives them meaning and purpose. They feel like they're actually doing something. 
I don't know if that describes Antifa, but probably does, because I do know something about this. Uh, and also, but I picked up something encouraging. I actually think they're getting a little worried out there. And I was glad. It's like they're talking about if we fight each other, then we uh, it gives us less energy to fight the enemy. And that the en- enemy right now is Ted Wheeler. Ted Wheeler became an, an enemy because he pled with the community to assist in unmasking rioters and members of Antifa. He's asking the public to identify people involved in this, and now they're freaking out, so now they're threatening him with his own life. It's uh, and, and you also just, this is an anarchist group, and they demonstrated that by saying, we don't even want a mayor. We want the abolition of all of this. They want the abolition of police, the abolition of a mayor. They don't want to be ruled by anyone. That's Antifa. Very dangerous. And I think the other point that can't be lost on that is, uh, as we have said, so many times before, and it's been proven in history, people that try to appease, uh, it always comes back to bite them. You've only bought a little more time. You have not done anything that will, uh, you can't save yourself from this kind of mindset. They devour everything. They just might not devour you next, uh, but they'll devour you uh, because it turns on you. And so that's what Ted Wheeler is experiencing right now. Isn't that something? It really is something. Meanwhile, the people of Portland are suffering night after night after night. The people of Seattle, the people in uh, the area of uh, Brooklyn Center, Minnesota, uh, and before that was St. Louis. Uh, it's just, it's amazing. And I, that takes me to this article by Glenn Reynolds that was just printed over the weekend from the New York Post. And actually, it's about a Daily Caller uh, investigation. The, the Daily Caller recently sent a video correspondent to Brooklyn Center, Minnesota, scene of many police shooted, shooting-related riots, and to Washington, D.C., the home of America's ruling class, and asked people in both places when and if rioting was justified. The answers differed sharply. In Brooklyn Center, where the destruction was visible firsthand, Respondents, nearly all black men of various ages, overwhelmingly opposed rioting. An African-American man in an Army veteran hat commented, We're human, and we want to be treated with respect, but we also need to show respect. A man in a construction gear remarked, I guarantee you the people that were looting, nine times out of ten, weren't from this area. If you feel the need to lash out, then don't get mad when people, you know, address you as a looter or a rioter. A woman in a Black Lives Matter mask agreed. These are two different things. We have protesters, and then we have rioters. So in Brooklyn Center, the people were pretty much against rioting. But when they went to Washington, D.C., the Daily Caller, they found support for riots in the Capitol. And they, they, Glenn refers to this as the Capitol's bourgeoisie. Uh, it was almost universal. One young woman said that if change needs to be made and it's not getting done in the traditional avenues, then rioting is a good option. Another, I think that all violence is bad, but in the case where systems aren't responding to any other forms of change, I can understand people getting frustrated to the point where they need to take other avenues. And a third, looting is, a very, is very small compared to systematic oppression in America. So they found that in D.C., which doesn't surprise me at all. But he goes on to say, the people whose neighborhoods are being destroyed are less sanguine about the destruction than are those who observe it from the comfortable environs of our nation's capital. And then he goes back to, to, to refer to what I was saying earlier. We saw this in the 1960s when the rise of radical chic, uh, which uh, writer Tom Wolfe noted, 
in Tony Upper East Side share uh, types. Uh, I'm sorry. Tony Upper East Side types shared cocktails with Black Panthers. Black Panthers were the radicals of the time. Many of the most violent new left revolutionaries of the 1960s and the 70s were the privileged children of wealthy parents. I, I, Bernadine Dorn, uh, Will, William Ayers, I haven't talked about this much on this particular show since I've been with AFA, but that's this is all Chicago-based, so I'm very familiar with this too. Uh, Bill Ayers' father was the um, uh, CEO of Commonwealth Edison. That was the big energy company in Illinois. Um, uh, very, very wealthy. Uh, and uh, Bernadine Dorn, his uh, now wife, was also the daughter of someone very, very wealthy. They were very wealthy. Rat- they were privileged kids, spoiled rotten. And they ended up doing all of this destruction. They bombed. They killed. It's just, it was an amazing, it's an amazing, it was the weather underground. Anyway, Back to this article by Glenn Reynolds. He said, last year, sports reporter Chris Martin Palmer became the face of this sort of thing when he tweeted a photo of a burning building in Minneapolis with the caption, burn that blank down. The burning structure giving him voyeuristic tingles was, it turned out, a low-income housing project. Um, But Palmer's tune changed when rioters came to his neighborhood. He fumed. They destroyed a Starbucks and are now in front of my building. Get these animals the blank out of my neighborhood. Go back to where you live. The thing is, it's a lot easier to encourage violence when the consequences happen to someone else. Too much of upper-class America is cocooned from real risk. For the people in poor and working-class neighborhoods where riots and looting tend to happen, the consequences are much more apparent. And now it goes on to say Democrats are now the party of Wall Street, Silicon Valley, and upscale suburbs. And um, they, their people don't have to deal with the consequences and thus the difference in response. That makes a lot of sense to me. It's what I see also. And I wanted to share it with you. By the way, we'll put that on our Facebook page so that you can read it. And also Charlie Kirk's uh, article on defund the police is a Trojan horse. Okay, well, thank you so much for listening today. We have some great shows planned for you this week. So I hope you stay tuned each and every day. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.